James. This is the Glitch Fan Podcast. I'm Luke. I'm Mike. I'm Brent. I'm James. Hey, James, what have you been doing lately? Playing NBA basketball inside. Playing <laughs> NBA basketball inside in, in, in our living room. You can play it in the driveway, too. What else? What did we watch on TV last night? The Michael Jordan show from 10 to 11. Who is the best uh, basketball player of all time? Michael Jordan. Oh. <laughs> Interesting. Who's the best school of all time? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Fair. I was going to say our buddy, our buddy uh, Dylan in college. <laughs> so many levels. Works on so many levels. <laughs> Do you think your buddies at school know who Michael Jordan is? Uh-huh. Really? Yeah. Makes me happy. James, do you think Michael Jordan would have been as great if he didn't have Scottie Pippen the whole way? What? Do you think if Michael Jordan didn't have Scottie Pippen that he would have been considered the greatest basketball player ever still? Mm, no. Ooh. All right. Yeah, everybody's got to have a number two. <laughs> yeah, because basically when Scottie Pippen was injured, they lost five straight games. They did. <laughs> Oh, anything else, Uh. <laughs> All right, but hey, thanks for joining us. Yeah. <laughs> he definitely wants people to know that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the leading scorer in NBA history. So <laughs> that's very that's impressive. I mean. And now he's sharing that LeBron James has more rebounds and assists than Michael Jordan. So Luke just taught him that a few minutes ago. <laughs> I just, the controversy can't die with this documentary. <laughs> have you guys, so you guys have all watched it, the two yeah. episodes so far? I, I loved it. And it's like, I, you guys know I'm not, I'm more of a casual NBA fan than like a really like live and die by it. And I, I loved it. I, I think I will be all in the all 10 episodes, which is a lot for one season back here. I think like as a sports fan, like it's just, it's just incredible in- information and insight. And, and especially coming from an era where there wasn't Twitter and Facebook and, and social media like there is today. Like it's just, it's just fascinating to take a look back at. Definitely. It's also interesting, just the thought process, but, behind like blowing up a team that could have competed for another title, you know, mm-hmm. go, go, go sign a street free agent to replace some of the aging guys and Scotty and Michael who are still, you know, on the edges of their prime. They could have won another title. I could have won a few. One of the biggest, uh, like, disappointments for me in watching these first two episodes being I'm a Bulls fan jumped on the Michael Jordan Bulls bandwagon as a youngster and have stuck it out through the hard years I'd like to add but I've always like they've been so mismanaged forever and I was so disappointed to see Jerry Reinsdorf look like in apparent good health I've been like maybe when he passes away (laughs) We'll get sold to someone who knows how to run a basketball team. But he looks wonderful for, like, being an 85-year-old or something. You know, and I feel like the the episodes made 
what's his name, Jerry Reese out to be the villain, which he clearly, clearly was a big part of it. But it's like, dude, you're the owner and you let this happen. And look what you've let happen to your franchise since then. Like since those guys left, he's no better than the Mets owners, right? Or the Knicks owners. Like it's, it's been disappointing. Yeah. You, mean, uh, you mean Jerry Krause, the general manager? Yeah. Well, no, I'm t- I'm, t- I'm saying that that Jerry Krause gets his own level of blame, but the owner, you know, it's like he let all this happen. Yeah, for sure. Like I just can't imagine owning something that's printing money, and knowing that you've got like Michael Jordan who is the most marketable person in the history of sports at the time. Or, or telling Phil Jackson, this is your last year. Of yeah. the year. Like, I mean, it's like, like, it's like, what is the, what's the rationale? It's like, it'd be one thing if they were like getting close and like living on the glory years, but not winning the championship anymore. But it's like, you're freaking winning NBA titles. Like suck it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think it's like the arrogance of a Jerry Reinsdorf is sort of is a pretty much a self-made billionaire, mm-hmm. like the arrogance of thinking that everything you touch turns to gold. So it doesn't really matter what general manager, what coach you have, like I'll be successful just by you know the fact that I've always been successful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's obviously something to it, and the whole craziness of like Tim Floyd is literally like in the stands with with the general manager at games and it's like and Michael Jordan's saying in the season like I'm not gonna come back if Phil Jackson's not here I mean it's crazy and they know he'll walk away he just did it three years before (laughs) (laughs) it's like I don't think you call the bluff it's like you know I know that they like to talk in sports about how you can't have the players running the show but I've never believed that for certain players it's like LeBron right now. Yeah. Let him run the show. Who cares? And yeah, I mean, he's pressured his teams into making some bad decisions, but it's like your alternative is not having LeBron James. Like, look at the Cavaliers. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's fascinating. I, I, and I don't know. I, I, this, I'm, I'm loving the series two episodes in, and, but it's, yeah, I, I mean, they couldn't get away with – this is going to be the interesting thing going forward, like the amount of stuff that might come out, like that you just could not get away with in this era now. Oh, no. If social media had existed, Michael would be more, I think, more critically hated than LeBron is by people. Oh, yeah. Because he's a dick. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's a competitive <laughs> asshole, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Was that like they, they won that like trophy in France or something? And he's like, this doesn't count. It's not real. Like, yeah. <laughs> somebody else, don't hug me. And I love where he's getting interviewed about Scotty Pippen getting his surgery before the, <laughs> the you know, too late in the off season before the last season. And Scotty's making like $2.6 million a year. And Michael Jordan's making like $35 million. And he's like, it's just selfish. And it's like, I mean, I get where he's coming from because it's like the Bulls made it clear, like, we're not renegotiating your contract. But it's like, holy crap. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, this it's a good series. It's a good show. I'm looking forward to it. It's funny. I had one friend who texted me that really liked it and one that didn't so far, two episodes in. He just thought it was choppy and not that good. 
somebody, I saw something today on Twitter, which is, you know, accurate to the nth degree, yeah. um, where somebody's complaining about how it's like they've, they added too much fluff because how is this going to go 10 episodes? And I was thinking, I enjoyed every second of it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in for the ride. Like, what else are we doing right now? Yeah. <laughs> they definitely made a good move by pushing it up. Because it's like the, the the American public is so desperate for something, entertainment, anything that it's just like they they timed it perfectly. Because I feel like the Tiger King wave is starting to subside, and, and you know you can't have two major waves, you know, in the zeitgeist at once. Yeah, the overnights last night. It's the most watched thirty for thirty premiere that ESPN's had, which is not shocking at all. Um, and I think they've done a pretty good job with it. I, I, I've seen where there's a couple things that they've maybe embellished or made some mistakes on, but one of my favorite parts, and I texted Luke this last night though, is at one point they interview President Obama, you know, because he's from <laughs> Chicago, and the, it says Barack Obama, and then underneath it, you know, when everyone's like got their titles and stuff like that, it says former Chicago resident. <laughs> Nothing else. <laughs> this is just some dude who couldn't get into basketball games because he couldn't afford it. Nothing else. It's so funny. Because <laughs> they had Bill Clinton on there too, but that said, oh, didn't it say former Arkansas governor? Former Arkansas right. governor. Yeah. It makes Wait. sense because, and I guess what you're going for is it's like, what were they at the time that this was all happening? So it's like, Bill Clinton was the governor of Arkansas when Scottie Pippen went to central Arkansas, which is crazy in its own. It's like I knew Scottie Pippen was kind of like a earned his shot type of guy, but I had no freaking – I didn't know he was NAIA and then was a fifth pick in the draft. Imagine that now, an NAI player going number five overall. It's hard to comprehend. Yeah. Some, some guy in Butte is the fifth NBA pick. Well, there's that kid from Great Falls, University of Great Falls this year, mm-hmm. who I think... Um, yeah, what's his name? Oh, I'll think of it. But almost similar, you know, not similar trajectory, but apparently he grew like five inches in a year and just keeps getting bigger and stronger. And he was like the NAIA player of the year. It sounds like he's going to transfer, though. Well, we are like accepting all transfers on the men basketball team right now so also the women's team as well <laughs> ooh, ooh. let's uh let's go let's there transition um any wrap up on on the bull stuff i think it's gonna be fun to watch the only thing i will add was did you notice how much scotch michael jordan had in his cup when he was being interviewed yeah just yeah. four thing four fingers <laughs> oh my god the story, though, of his rookie year, and he's knocking on the hotel door, and, like, the team lets him in, and it's like, he's like, almost all the teams in there, and there's, like, cocaine lines, and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> What do they call it? The Chicago Cocaine Circus or something like that? You know, there's a bunch of guys from that team who are, like, telling their wives, yeah, I was not in that room. That One wasn't night. me. It was me and Michael. We didn't do it. <laughs> And blaming everybody else. Oh. It's like on the pod here, and be like, no, 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 it was, it was Luke. It was all Luke. 
I'll, I'll take any shots that you guys need. <laughs> I can be your scapegoat. <laughs> well, yeah, so we do have a little bit of Grizz news. Um, and maybe start on the more positive side. The men's hoops team, what, added a point guard transfer from is it Loyola. Is it Marymount that he came from? Loyola. It was the Loyola on the East Coast, right? Um, okay, yeah. Uh, I'm excited about it. People seem excited. Like, he led the – didn't he lead the NCAA in assists last year? I thought I saw something where it said, like, he is the single game record holder for assists. Which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think if you think about, like, where this team need kind of needed some some depth and help and some experience for this next year, it's, it's point guard. So, I mean, if, if he can play this year, um, that's going to be immediate help for falls and, uh, and just, uh, you know, help our younger guys not have to have all the pressure on them too. Because we got some bigs that are coming off of a mandatory year of sitting. And, yeah, it's going to be a great year for the men's team. It, um, it'll be interesting how he and falls kind of their dynamic because I feel like it definitely takes pressure off of falls. Um, to kind of slip into that number two a little bit, but well, it'll also then, be interesting. Well, you don't have to worry about falls, you know. <laughs> fall. I mean, the one thing falls needs to clean up the most from his game, in my opinion, is the foul trouble that he can tend to get into in certain games. Mm-hmm. Like, you kind of hit those stretches, and uh, you know, you've got you've got two guys that you can bring in off the bench then, and so it helps. Yeah, I'm interested to see what this does to Vasquez's development, but yeah, that's a good point, Luke. Ultimately, I mean, you got to bring in guys to compete, and you know, I think this makes the team stronger for sure. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited. Bold move by Travis. I like it. It's it's going to be interesting to see if the NCAA um, modifies the transfer rule this year, just with everything else going on, and. I mean, because they're they're already modifying like academic requirements for the next year and stuff like that. So, I, part of me thinks he's going to be eligible, but we'll see. And um, yeah, that'll be interesting. And then is is isn't he also cousins of a football player on the team? Yeah, he's cousins with uh, Samari Torre, <laughs> Had to which <help>. is awesome. <laughs> Well, I think – I don't know. I'm excited for the men's team. I think they can be damn good. Look at what they've got coming back and who they've got that's available this year and now this help. I mean, um, they were going to be good anyway, and they I think they've landed two transfers that – I mean, they, they've got like a one through eight or nine that is pretty good. They've got ten guys that they can use, I think. His name is Cameron Parker. I just found it. Yep, and then the other guy that transferred, grad transfer from NAU, was Cam Satterwhite. So we've got these two two cams coming in. Dang. So he, yeah, he has twenty four assists in a Division one game. Number two on the list is Trey Young, um, and it all he also shares. So Trey Young has twenty two assists. There's three other guys tied at twenty two. One of them is Avery Johnson. You know who played for like the Mavericks. Uh huh. Coach yeah. for the Mavericks. Yeah. That's a cool list to be a part of. Yeah. I'll say. So that's exciting. I mean, I, 
I feel more optimistic about the basketball season happening. Dot, dot, dot. Um, so uh, on the ladies' side, the university finally got around today to acknowledging that they fired uh, Shannon Schwein a month ago. Um, so that's nice, you know, handling PR really well. well they didn't uh, fire her. They just told her she's not getting a she, – she got the Bob Stitt treatment. Like, you're not getting a new contract. Yeah, they fired her. You know, when you don't get a new contract, you get fired. But I also – I think before it's all said and done, it's going to look more like they fired her. Um, but they named Petrino as the interim coach for next season say they'll do a full search in the spring, which will be interesting because I feel like it's an attractive women's college basketball job for a lot of reasons. Um, meanwhile, lost another player, Pickens, transferred to Carroll. Yeah. It's so interesting because it's like she probably could have played at a bigger school than Montana. And through all this now, she's going to end up at Carroll College, which is her hometown team. Yeah. That's interesting. And then, of course, I mean, what, there's six girls now in the roster, and two of them are Shannon's daughters currently. So, yeah, it's yeah. going to be a real interesting year. And it's they're like, gonna, how do you recruit right now? I mean, <laughs> they're just going to have to get girls off of the campus, <laughs> which well, is going to be really tough if no one's there. Not dissimilar to what volleyball went through a, a few years ago after. Uh, Coach Wagner didn't get his renewal, and they hired that dude for like two years, and all the girls quit on that guy. That's right. Yep. And then they finally gave it to Co Coach Lawrence, um, who seems to be a great hire there. Sure. But, yeah. I do think. I, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I do think similar to what I said on the men's side, that I feel like it's going to be easier for people to transfer this year. And and if nothing else, I think Petrina will be able to fill those spots. I'm not saying they're going to be good, but I think that he'll be able to fill those spots. Because he's been around a little bit. He's He's been a couple places. He's got some good connections. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, this summer they'll probably just get three or four JUCOs or some drop-downs. I mean, they got to find some bodies to fill roster here. I mean, they don't even – they're a couple more transfers away from not being able to fill the starting five. Yeah, but I mean, positive news. I mean, in the Missoulian article about this, uh, they got a quote from Sophia Stiles, who of course has been kind of one of the people that people have been rumoring about fearing of leaving. And she basically says she's like Petrino since the day she got here and seems excited about it. So, well, and interestingly, you know, all the assistants are staying. Um, so I saw they said Colville and then, um, um, yeah. Um, no, I'm blanking out names here, but um, Sullivan and and Henderson. Yes, thank you. We're yes. uh, all returning, so obviously they've presumably got one spot to fill. But so, you know, it, the the coaching staff isn't entirely blowing up, so that's good. Yeah, all the more reason that the timing of this is just so weird. It's waited too long. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, for the pod, I'm on puppy duty right now. My puppy is somewhere in the backyard, and it's dark. You got a new puppy. She, yeah, like we, we got a rot puppy, and she's wonderful. Her name is Rosie. Um, but like a lot of puppies, she gets into a 
a lot of trouble. There she is. She's drowning. Rosie the Rottweiler. Rosie the Rot. She has something in her mouth that she probably shouldn't have. So, you know, just puppy stuff. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> naturally, I think uh, I feel like more people in my timeline on social media than normal are getting new pets <laughs> during this period, yes. which is interesting. Um, probably anecdotal, but interesting. Hey, you know what? Right now we're home a lot more than we normally are, so damn good time to go to the puppy. Um, speaking of being home more than we are, yeah. for those of you who follow our Twitter feed, um, we watched the 1995 National Championship game last night. Um, the Grizz won, if you don't remember. It was uh, – <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I mean, I was in like fifth grade when that game was played, so – to be able to kind of sit down and watch the whole thing, it was great. Do you remember watching the game? I do. Um, me and my brother and my dad went to the – I think they had big screens in the UC Center on campus, and we um, watched it there. And I have distinct memories of when Andy Larson kicked the field goal, jumping into my dad's arms. <laughs> um really distinct memories. It was great. And it's so funny because it was the fan base. It was such an innocent fan base at the time. Like nobody was spoiled by success. And it was like, (laughs) you know, just like surreal, like, Oh my God, we did it. We're here. You know? And it's like, I actually was watching the game thinking, and this is going to be sacrilegious for some people, but I think today's Grizz fan base including some of the uber loyalists would have hated Don Reed's play calling at times. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because he did some things that you're like, dude, like, what are you doing throwing there? Like run the ball and run the clock. Like, um, and I, I feel like, like history looks back so fondly because they put up so many points and it was so exciting. And don't get me wrong. I mean, he was a great offensive mind, but I, I feel like the spoiled fan base of today might might be a little bit more of a critic. I don't know. I think there's some funny things too, especially from watching that 95 game, because there's some points where Don Reed is berating Jerome Sowers in front of the ESPN cameras. And people, you know, talk about, you know, the head coach maintaining his cool and dealing with players and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, like, go back to this 95 game, and here's Don Reed, like, late in the game, just dressing down Sowers. You wouldn't even look at him. Uh, it's kind of funny to go back and just look at that stuff. And if you think about, like, common criticisms of coaches these days, and, I don't know, simpler time, maybe. Uh, across. Could you guys tell the difference between uh, athleticism and any positions? We were bigger. Like, that, something something – that surprised me a little bit, maybe not across the board, but that deep, the Grizz defense had some big dudes to go with, you know, I mean, our corners were undersized and stuff like that, but our D line, those guys weren't small. No. And linebackers too, they were big. Like Mike, yeah. I mean, there was some weird, but they also had giant ass shoulder pads. I was going to say the awesome pads, like the Marshall's tight end, had this awesome neck pad that's like up and over. It's probably better for concussions than anything anybody wears today, but. <laughs> um, but it was fascinating. And the, the other thing that I think that gets glossed over is like 
Dave Dickinson was clutch <clears throat> in the fourth quarter and, you know, ended up overall in a pretty good game. But the defense and special teams are the reason the Grizz won that game. Like, they of, shut down a really good Marshall team. Part of the special teams. The kickoff the kickoff team in the 90s, 95 was awful the whole damn year. Like, that was the scariest thing where they had to kick the ball away. Mm-hmm. Especially in that game, too, right? Because, like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> all sorts of terrifying stuff. But, yeah, that Grizzly defense and that playoff run, what was it? They didn't allow a touchdown in the first two playoff games? Um, yeah. I think so. Incredible, yeah. Was it, was it interesting to watch Chad Pennington? Like, could you tell he was a future NFL quarterback? I mean, you couldn't tell that he was a future NFL quarterback, but you saw glimpses – that he was going to be really good, if that made sense. Like, I think if anybody watched that game and was like, oh, yeah, he's going to be a draft pick, you know, that they're lying. But yeah. he did some things that, like, in having the retrospect of knowing he went and had a decade-long career with the Jets, that you're like, oh, yeah, he, he improved on that and got a lot better. What helps when you're throwing Randy Moss in years that aren't 1995, too. Yeah, but yeah. He, didn't, he wasn't the QB in 96. He redshirted. That's right. Yeah, there was that whole little yeah. But Moss was there in '97 too, so they did throw to each other. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I I don't remember coming away thinking that really Marshall was loaded with NFL talent. Of course, at that time in '95, I didn't. I mean, Dave Dickinson was was a quarterback and a player unlike I've ever seen or experienced before, or, or still to this day. But I. And even at that point, although I was 15, so but I wasn't thinking like Dave's going to make it in the NFL and be this great quarterback for. I just that was just like that wasn't a thought that I thought about when watching any FCS football at that point or at one double A at the time. It was just like, yeah, this is fun. These guys are great. This but watching it, I will also say that Dickinson, and it's cliche to say it, but I mean, he was more of a quote coach on the field who was literally running things than any QB I've seen since. Like, and obviously the, the translation to different levels is different, but it's like, you know, even NFL QBs that, that have that level of, of control at the NFL, obviously it's a completely different world. It's like very few of them seem to like command the, we're going to do what I want to do. And, and the coaches just kind of facilitate it. And it, 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 it was impressive. Like he looked like, like a legit field general field general out there. It's just something that we just haven't had since. I mean, Craig Oaks might've approached it in his Oh four season uh, because it kind of felt like you had that, but I, I don't think there was any other QB. I don't really re- remember having that feeling about Drew Miller even. Um, yeah. It, it was watching Dave play was, was something else. And, and I think the fun thing about watching that too I I had really forgotten that he was a good runner, like and and he converted a lot of plays with his feet. Um, and in that game, he did quite a bit. Was it he had a season high rushing total? I think. So he definitely had a lot with his feet. Yeah, made some plays. You know how we uh, we call OD? You know, like All American OD. <laughs> I want to call Dave Dickinson. 
former Great Falls, Montana resident, Dave Dickinson. <laughs> <laughs> former Great Falls resident, Dave Dickinson, also played some football. <laughs> I like it. Last observation of watching it, though, it was, it was just fun to see so many like recognizable names and faces that it's like now in, in hindsight, like 25 years later, it's like, wow. I mean, there's just so many names on there, both of like people who are now in the, in the communities throughout Montana, but also it's like you had a baby face Jerome Sowers and there's Mick Dennehy. And then like some of the athletic staff who is still there now was on the sidelines and they were like children, you know? I mean, it, it was just kind of fun to see. Drum Showers was like 185 pounds and had a full head of hair. <laughs> Completely different looking man. <laughs> Not a full head. It was starting to recede. Hey, it looked great. Compared to what I got going on, it looked great. Uh, it's fun to see that little stuff, though, man. It's cool. Well, and so, I mean, I think that segues pretty well. Don't, don't you guys think uh, mm-hmm. kind of what, what we put out here for uh, topic? And I think this kind of, I mean, it's been great. I think you guys have done this too, right? Have you been watching the Chalk Talk that, go, that they've been doing on GoGrays.com? As much as I can, yep. So it, it's, that's been super cool just seeing they've done, what, the 08 JMU playoff. They've done the 09 App State and the 08 Grizz Cat game. So, um, yeah, we thought it would be fun to throw it out there and see what, uh, you know, Grizz Nation, is, what they would consider the, the best – games that they've seen in Washington Grizzly Stadium. And so we put a bunch of games out. We had a, bu- had a handful of other uh, submissions that came in. And so uh, if it's all right with you guys, I figure what we could do is uh, we'll, we'll go through uh, five, and the one through five, and we'll start with the fifth. Uh, let's see. First off, though, I'll start with some honorable mentions, all right? So um, 1993. Uh, how old were you guys in 93? Uh, I was in elementary school. Mike, we were like eight? Third grade? I did not catch this game. I'm just going to tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> so the, 90, the 1993 52-48 win versus South Dakota State. It's kind of funny. Um, South Dakota State like had two, uh, basically two of the biggest Grizzly comebacks ever were against South Dakota State. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, that game uh, is has some notoriety because that, Dave Dickinson came in for an injured Burt Wilberger and engineered the comeback. And then I think played a couple weeks. And then I'm trying to remember, I was 13. I, I actually worked. Worked. I wasn't paid. I got pizza and a T-shirt uh, up in the press box running scores back and forth. And um, Loyal pod listeners will have heard that story. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, but I, I think Dickinson fit, maybe finished the season out, and then we had a pretty exciting but an unfortunate loss in the end uh, to Delaware in the playoffs that kind of was like this crazy back-and-forth game where the Grizz missed an extra point and wound up losing because of that. But um, that was one of the ones that got some attention. Uh, one of the ones I didn't put in the poll was that 2008 Grizz-Cat game, just the – the throwback jerseys coming out in the copper and very few people expecting it. Which was awesome. Yeah. 
Uh, let me see. So a couple others, um, a couple of people talking about the double overtime win against Idaho in 2001, which was. Uh, it was kind of cool because Idaho had, you know, they moved up and I think we lost to them the first time we played them after they moved up because we went to, to Moscow. And then it was 9-11, so it got pushed back to the end of the season. And um, it was Joe Glenn, right? And was it Drew Miller still? 2000, yeah, that would have been Drew Miller. Or, no, 2001 yeah, would have been Edwards, right? Because they went on to win the national championship that year. No, that was 01. So 2000 was – 2000, okay. Miller, but Miller was hurt a bunch and Edwards would come in. Yeah, I think, I think Miller played most of that game. Okay. But um, – I remember that one because it, it it was just kind of like a you guys moved up and we still, you know, we got you and, and this is a different time. And they also, if I remember right, it had a similar like walk-off touchdown scored similar to the App State playoff game from like 2000, right? Yeah, so we had a – we had a um... – that, that was one of the games that, made, that kind of made the list here. But I think in 2000, or was it 2001? Yeah, oh, yeah. So 2001, we had a double overtime win uh, against Eastern Washington where Atu Molden caught touchdown at the end, walk-off win in kind of fashion too. Yeah, that crazy stressful year. And, I mean, you think about 2001, uh, yeah, just, I mean, all sorts of crazy stuff. A uh, bunch of double overtime wins and our – national title game and, and all, all that stuff. So yeah, those, those were, those made it, a few made the list. Another one that got a couple votes was the uh, Cal Poly game in 2013. If you guys remember that one, uh, low scoring game. Um, Jordan Tripp blocks a field goal at the end of regulation. And then um, Brock Coyle intercepts a touch, uh, a pass in the end zone and overtime yeah. as the, yeah, so that one got that one had a lot of that one had a lot of Twitter replies and a couple of votes on egress. But what what's been interesting is is um, the breakdown of feedback we got through Twitter that talked about mostly games that occurred in the last ten to twelve years uh-huh. and, and egress that talked about games that mostly occurred fifteen to twenty to twenty five. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I guess with with that said, the uh, fifth most popular game is one that I'm sure the two of you vividly remember, um, where the Grizzlies beat the living shit out of Stephen F. Austin in 1995, 70 to 14. Did you guys go to that game? Well, Luke, I doubt you did. Probably. I did not go to the game. <laughs> I watched the game. Tell me. <laughs> You guys both went, right? I did, yeah. I remember – I didn't know Brent at the time, but I, I, I know Mike went for sure. I – you know, it's kind of funny. I had to go back and look up some of the stuff from this game, of course, because, I mean, we're talking a long time ago. Um, but I do remember it was cold, like awful cold, and it was early. And I remember, and I looked it up, and, and it reminded me, like, the game started at 10 in the morning because the stadium didn't have lights then, and ESPN didn't want to bring trucks in with lights. They didn't do that till 2004. 
And so we uh, we, <laughs> we had to start the game in the morning in case we ran out of daylight. And it was cold. And I looked it up, and there was an article that said, like, uh, it, it was six degrees with the wind chill uh, at kickoff. But I remember all the talk was um, – don't expect this game to be a blowout because the Grizz had just come off two big wins. They just beat the hell out of the first two teams that they had played. And don't expect that again. Stephen F. Austin, these guys are the real deal. They've got a great offense. They're going to score all these points. It's going to be a tough game. And the Grizz absolutely smoked them. And it was their first playoff semifinal, obviously, their first semifinal win that put them into the national championship game and and – got our first national title. So it holds some, some big significance in terms of importance. I just don't remember coming away from that game thinking about all these amazing plays and events. I just remember being cold and just feeling damn good that they were going to the national title. I just remember it being exciting. You know, just like, holy crap, they, they just destroyed this team. It's like this legitimately, you know, they have a chance to do something special here. Yeah. Well, and I think um, there was – I was trying to remember. There was something – oh, man. The game was like it, – it was kind of close. But then – and this was the thing about the Grizzlies offense under Don Reed, especially, especially the 95 season, was that, like, they didn't run the ball. Like, they didn't even know really how to run the ball. And so even when they got up, and you put in the backups, you know, Brian Ayotte or Pathhausen or whoever, and um, all these all these random guys, all they could do was just run this spread offense, and they just kept scoring points. And so it was kind of just one of these things that was just completely unstoppable. So, if, that, you know, these kind of blowout games, I found a quote where the coach said, um, it wasn't the weather's fault that they gave up 70 points, so he wasn't going to blame the cold. But, yeah, it just seemed like there was a point where the Grizz, I mean, all you could do was just keep doing what you do and score points. Interestingly, the Grizz scored seven straight touchdowns, like unanswered touchdowns in that game. So they, they went down 7-0 at first and then scored two touchdowns. Uh, they came back and scored twice in the first quarter. Uh, they score again in the second quarter. Stephen F. Austin answers. So at one point in time, it was like 28 to 14. And then the Grizz owned the rest of the game. Like, just boat raced them. Scored 35 points in the second half. Scored five rushing touchdowns, almost 200 yards on the ground. Just incredible. Yeah, so they ran the ball on that one. Crazy. Yeah, I... I don't know. And I remember the other fun, kind of funny thing, too, was, of course, Washington Grizzly then had grass field, not synthetic turf. I can't remember. The synthetic turf came out, like, 2000 or 2001? It was during Joe Gladden's time, so I think 2000. I remember a lot of the people from the 90s that, that really, like, came up in the program, 80s and 90s, saying that getting rid of the grass field was a big blow to Montana's home field advantage. And I think I saw something, I'd have to find it again now, but it said something like, at the time of the 95 playoffs, which you're only talking, I guess, a total of nine years, but Montana had only lost eight games in Washington Grizzly at that point. 
And so a lot of people talk about these teams that come up and play in the cold and then the mud because the field had gone to hell by that point. Uh, we're just completely unable to, to compete in those types of conditions. So kind of interesting. Well, that, like, as you say about how, how crappy it was at game time, and they actually had more people there for that game than the week before. Mm-hmm. They played Georgia Southern at home. They had five more people show up to <laughs> that Boston game. Like, be damned this sub-zero degree temperature. Like, we're going to rock this place. Because um, they, I don't think the end zones were seats at that point. They were grass. Yeah, they, our capacity was twelve thousand. It wasn't even nineteen thousand then. No, and attendance no. for that game was eighteen thousand five hundred twenty-three. I think I, I think it was that one of those games that year. I think we built some snowman in the end zone, where people wrote like national title in the snow. I mean, it was simpler times, guys. Simpler times. Hey, here's something. We played the national championship game at Marshall. Yeah, right? How cool would it be to host a freaking national championship game? It would be fun. So my understanding is that before Frisco, Texas was awarded the national title, well, you guys know this. I mean, this was known. Uh, the University of Montana bid on it and made a substantially good push my understanding was became one of the final options for the national title game. Um, but I think the, you know, because Missoula, the hotels, the tourism, the ability to get people in and out the airport all made sense. But obviously I think the weather factor ultimately undid us, but I know Washington Grizzly and the university of Montana, uh, they made a push to, to host that. That would have been something to have national title games here in Missoula. Yes, it would be. <laughs> In January. Yes. <laughs> All right. Anything else from the uh, 95 beatdown of Stephen F. Austin? Nope. Nope. Okay. Uh, so that was number five. Uh, number four was the 19 to 16 overtime win versus Appalachian State in 2000. That was a game I was at. Mike, I assume you were probably there too, weren't you? That was OT, right? OT, yep. Won in overtime. And a walk-off touchdown in the end zone. Jimmy Ferris. Yep. I remember the – Ferris was fun to watch. Ferris was fun. To, and that was – so that was uh, – I mean, when you kind of realized that that team, of course, Joe Glenn, I just – I remember that season. It was kind of funny because we lost to Hofstra week one. And it was an awful game. It was like 10 to 9. And the offensive coordinator that Glenn had brought in was like, didn't he quit after that game? And Billy Cockhill? He got demoted. Like Ron Richards. They brought him from Montana Tech. Yeah. And, and then Billy Cockhill took over. Yeah. And they, Billy Cockhill took over because they, Glenn had said that he'd keep Don Reed and Mick Dennehy's offense and then brought in. Ron Richards, who had no idea how to run it, and ran a shitty ground-and-pound attack. <laughs> Which probably isn't true. Someone's going to point out that he threw the ball a lot of tech. But, I mean, <laughs> like, I, you know, Stitt's, um, Stitt's staffs got criticized a little bit for their lack of experience. And it's like they hired D2 Joe Glenn 
<laughs> and he brought it. I mean, it just like, again, if social media had existed to the level then that it does now, like he would have gotten grilled. This fan base <laughs> is just yeah. so much more difficult now. <laughs> I had yeah, different era, different expectations. Also, the league is so much more competitive now. Way more, way more. Yeah. Yeah. And if people stay there, it's not. I don't, I don't buy it. So, I mean, I remember not, not, not this game, obviously, the app playoff game, but that, that Hofstra game. I remember it was a really bad fire season. It was like the first of what now kind of feels like an every other year affair in Western Montana with heavy smoke and uh, lots of issues like that. And they did a salute to firefighters before the game. And then it kind of rained during the game. It was a terrible, terrible game. I remember walking out of the stadium and people wanted Joe Glenn fired on the spot and for sale signs in the yard and all that stuff like that. Um, and then the next week, because we'd already planned it, my family and my then fairly new girlfriend, now wife, we went to Moscow. Well, I guess you had to watch it in Washington State Stadium. So we went over to Pullman and we watched the Grizz win a thrilling game against Idaho. Um, and then things just kind of turned around and got going. And they, I mean, they didn't lose another game until the national title. And it, it made for a really fun season. Um, I, just rem- I just remember Bedlam. You know, <laughs> you remember? Say it again. You got I just it. remember Bedlam. I just remember like Ferris catches a touchdown, and it just the place went nuts. Well, I went back. It's kind of funny. Like you look at the box score, and I remember it now. Like Drew Miller had a not that good of a game. He threw a couple picks, um, and the Grizzly pass defense got a little chopped up. Like. Um, the Grizzlies like could not really get anything going the whole game. And you went back and look at that playoff list and app state was the 13 seed. We were a one seed. Uh, so it was kind of a interesting the way the whole thing kind of broke down. I was going to ask you as who some of your favorite players were on that team. Um, I just remember loving Vince Hunsberger. Like he almost made me want to be a strong safety, even though I could not play that position, but I was like, man, he's so damn good. Did you guys have your own, like, all-stars from that team that you loved? I mean, I like Drew Miller. I like Jimmy Ferris. Um, It was just kind of a fun era. And sometimes I think it gets overlooked because it, it was kind of the era that defense and running kind of became things in Montana, you know? Johansi yeah. Humphrey and um, kind of some of those guys. So we had like Thatcher Zalay on the offensive line, who was just a man amongst boys. Yep. Like, uh. Well, I mean, that, I mean, some of the names on the defense. I mean, Trey Young. Um, I don't think he got to the NFL, but I think what well, he played like Arena League for quite a while. Um, yeah, Decoit, Adam Boomer, Calvin Coleman, Justin Brannon. I mean, Andy Pedic was like a sub, I think, at that point. You know, didn't, didn't have, didn't I think uh, Don to 37 maybe a year later or something. So, I mean, I mean, so many just memorable names of guys from that team and that era, um, you know, 
Yeah, I think I, I, I really like Johansi Humphrey because I think as that offense found its identity, um, Yo is not just a, a runner, but also a pass catcher, like a true just multi-threat guy. Um, he was the first like all around running back. You know what I mean? It was like, oh yeah, we can have a running back that catches the ball and runs for over a thousand yards and can like dominate a game. And it was like this whole new awakening. All right. Anything else with that game? No, I wish I could watch them all. So maybe we should get Root Sports to put them all one by one. Oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> I'd just be on YouTube. I'm I sure. Know. It is. I, you know, I do remember, of course, then, so they win that game and they go on the national title. And Georgia Southern, who was, you know, state, I think a lot of Rose fans were like, they were the dominant team that era. Uh, they had a running back named Adrian Peterson who <laughs> um, didn't have as much NFL success. But he uh, did go to the NFL, you know, the other Adrian Peterson. The other Adrian Peterson. Um, uh, I think like we went down, like we fell down to them, and then we we mounted a big comeback, and there and I I went I was at something. The next year, and Joe Glenn, who was always just loved playing in the crowd, told so many funny stories about that team and then the national title game. And, and like, there was a fake punt that I think Huntsberger was it Vince Huntsberger scored a touchdown on? I don't remember he scored a touchdown or not, but I remember the fake punt. And he did. It, it, it he went into that game. And, yeah. and Joe Glenn just tells the funniest story about it because it's like, Everybody knew the call except the guy getting the ball. Like, he forgot. And so Joe Glenn is talking to this. And it's probably like realtors at a lunch or some stupid crap. And uh, and he's like, you know, he's like, the, the goddamn short guy, you know, doesn't know the call. And it hits him in the hands and he drops the ball and he can't find the ball. And, of course, you know, like there's bedlam on the field and nobody knows and picks the ball up. I feel like he, he, he either ran in a touchdown or he got close and they scored on the next play or something. But, you know, mounted a big comeback but fell short. And, that, you know, of course, Grizz fans, I think, what, we had bad field conditions, rain and mud. And – No one uh, hurt. And Edwards came in. And if we had five more minutes, we would have won the national championship. Yeah, and it was like we missed a couple extra points in field goal, and I think it was something. Uh, whoever the kicker was, it probably was Chris Snyder, uh, or uh, yep. yeah, Chris Snyder. Chris I Snyder. I think I, I remember hearing a story where it was like he forgot his mouth guard for a play, and he took a helmet to the chin on the same play, slipped in the mud, and took a helmet on the chin, and like bit through his tongue or something, and and then had to play the rest of the game like that or something. So, I mean. Who knows the accuracy, but I'd heard some some just crazy stories. But I remember the field was terrible. It was muddy. It was gross. Um, but, yeah, I mean, too so bad. The, the Georgia Southern touchdown that gave them – secured them the lead. Yeah. It was a 57-yard run by Peterson in the fourth quarter. With You know, early in the fourth quarter, it was 11.29 on the clock. But it was only one of three runs that gained more than six yards. Hmm. So we bottled him up pretty good. Uh, well, generally. Triple option then. Uh, this is awful. I think that coach went on to Georgia Tech afterwards, didn't he? 
I feel like. I don't know. Yes. Didn't you go to one of the academies first and then Georgia Tech? Or was it the other way around? Yeah, I might have gone to like Navy or something. Yeah. yeah. You could be right. All right. So uh, that's kind of it for, uh, you know, games that were a little further back. So uh, game number three of the greatest games in Washington Grizzly, 2015, North Dakota State, 38-35 win. I believe we, all three of us attended that game. That's the that's the Joey Counts touchdown. <laughs> My boy Joey. <laughs> <laughs> have I told you guys the story that I still have a table that Joey owned? No. <laughs> I look out. I look out my. Uh, I look out my patio door here, and I can see the table. It's a great <laughs> for barbecue. Him and some. My wife used to be a property manager, and uh, him and some players rented a house, and it went fine. But they left some stuff, and they left a nice folding table, and they clearly weren't Buffalo Bills fans because it was in great condition, and we kept the damn table. So thanks, Joey. Counts. I I always used to see Joey in the weight room, and. Uh, we would chat, you know, chat here and there and stuff. And he was always like, he's one of those guys who'd always tell you, man, I'm not about that drama. Like I hate that drama. And then he would go off and talk for 10 minutes about the straight fucking drama in his life. You're like, Jesus, for hating drama, you have it in spades, dude. <laughs> oh, man. That's you know. Go for it, Mike. No, I was just saying that's a theme. Uh, one of the coolest parts about that game, I mean, there's so much to talk about with this game in particular, yeah. but do you remember how smoky it was? Oh, yeah. They were canceling practices and games at the MHSA level, like all over the Mountain West. Um, but we decided to play our game, and it, I mean, it is apocalyptic looking. <laughs> It was raining. It was like raining ash at the end of the game. And uh, who was it? Easton Stick. Did he play that game for NDSU? Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz. Did Carson Wentz play? Okay. So did Carson? Carson lost that game. Yeah, that's on his record. That is. Add Carson to the list of like Tony Romo and like NFL quarterbacks who have lost to UM. Yep. Yeah. Also, the uh, maybe start and end of the era. <laughs> the hot point. Like, it was just so, for so many reasons. I mean, obviously, North Dakota State, national champions, da da da, all this. Run team. Then it was the ESPN game. So it was week zero, national TV. Freaking Brent Munsberg is there. Jesse Palmer is the sideline reporter. I mean, like, this the whole thing is just kind of surreal if you think about it. It was, it was so, I mean, it was kind of funny because, like, I'm, all, I'm, I'm like a big image guy. And I was so worried about the image of Missoula on ESPN with all the smoke uh, just because I just wanted – the you the Brent the, the iconic Brent Musburger you are looking live, and it pans over the stadium and you can barely see Mount Sentinel. You can't see any of the damn valley because it's all this smoke. I mean, uh, it it was great. It was fine. You know, we got it. We got it. Uh, 
five years before the cats got that you were looking live from him. So, um, but man, though, that, that was Bob Stitt's first game. And you guys probably remember, um, do, I, if we didn't start with the ball, I can't remember who started with the ball, but I remember on our first fourth down, we went for it and we didn't get it. Yeah, I remember thinking, oh no, this is <laughs> this is a bad idea. This isn't gonna work. What it's did like, we do? It's like getting the twelve year old who never punts in Madden. <laughs> that changed quickly too. I remember you know, a lot of talk about plays per game. And, you know, if we get 90 plays per game, we'll win this game. You know, we have a, you know, significantly higher uh, probability of winning games if we can just play, play, play. And the Joey Counts touchdown was the 90th play of the game. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. I think, I mean, our quarterback was Brady Gustafson. Right. That was the Brady Gustafson, Chad Chalich year, I think. <laughs> and McKenna Simmons. Yeah. McKenna Simmons. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that receiver core was Ellis Henderson, Jamal Jones, Ben Roberts. I mean, they, that was a hell of a receiver core. They had a great receiver core in 2015. Thanks to Mick Delaney. <laughs> <laughs> And I don't think my uh, – like, at that moment in time, like, my opinion of the Grizzlies that year could have – like, it's never been higher for any team uh, probably since Dave Dickinson. <laughs> probably. It's, it's the worst thing that could have happened to Bob Stitt in his first game. Like, oh, yeah. Absolute worst thing that could have ever happened to him. And he played right into it. Go doing all the national interviews after the game and skipping meetings to be on radio shows, allegedly. <laughs> yeah, I think he told the team after the game that they're this is guaranteed they're going to win the national title. Oh my god! <laughs> they lose the next two to Cal Poly and Portland State, right? I want to do some. I should have done this beforehand, but. How many losses has NDSU had since that game? Not a lot. Five or six, maybe? I mean... Can't be a lot. I don't think it could be more than that. I think they've only had like one, two-loss season since, right? That might have been that season. Yeah, I mean, because it does put the Grizz in really good company of like, in this whole dynastic North Dakota State run, it's like they've only lost to X number of teams, and one of those Montana. <laughs> Shoot, also, they didn't, they didn't also, lose in 2019. They didn't lose in 2018. They did lose to a Joe, Gen, Joe Glenn coached South Dakota Coyotes, I believe, in 2018. Uh, that was 2017. Oh, okay. that, was, that was their only loss. <laughs> and then in 2016, they lost to, to South Dakota State again. Okay. And they lost to James Madison. Oh, that's your championship title. Yeah. So that's four losses. They've only lost five times since UM. 
So they also lost to South Dakota that same year. Okay. Huh. So five five teams, five losses. That's it since 2015. Yep. Man. Yeah, that game was that game was so fun. I I, I lost my voice afterwards. Probably a mix of the excitement of the game and you know the smoke. Um, but yeah, that was. I, I think I, I had a whole bunch of friends come back from my college era to come watch the game. And it was, unfortunately, it did not set the tone for the rest of the Bob Stitt era. But, uh, man, there was like a big, what was it, like a fourth and 10 or fourth and 15 conversion to set up the game-winning drive. And obviously, Counts' touchdown was, was it third or fourth down? But obviously, it was the last play of the game, too. I mean, there was just so much clutch play. And then I remember the next day, moderately hungover, watching the game again on my DVR. What a game Tyrone Holmes had. Mm. And it got the attention of both Mutzberger and Palmer. And obviously, I think that was the game that kind of – was that the year that he won the Buck Buchanan? I think it was. Yeah, it definitely was. Yeah. It was and, yeah. Yep. So – called the Buck that year. It was the one year that it was called something else. Whatever the – yeah, whatever they call it. Um, and I mean, his springboard to his uh, stint in the notch in the NFL, and um, but he just, I mean, the guy just came to play, and it was kind of one of these games where I don't know if his stat book was anything major, but like, well, I think he forced a fumble on Wentz, and uh, but was just constantly pressuring Wentz, and NDSU had no answer for him in that game. I mean, it was probably a single game, one of the single greatest performances of an individual defensive player in a single game, Tyron Holmes in that game. And and not recognizing it being in the stadium watching the game because you're just you're watching the ball go around. You're not watching individual defensive guys. So you go back and watch it on TV, watch the recording of it. Um, the guy had an amazing game. It, it, it was cool to go back and see that. Um, <clears throat> trivia question. Mm. How many consecutive games has NDSU won? 30? 28. 37. Mm. Will they win 38 in a row, yes or no, Mike? Ooh. No, because they open the season at Oregon, don't they? Maybe open the season at Oregon. <laughs> we need football season because Oregon will crush North Dakota State. I want that with everything. I, and because it's like, don't, and don't get me wrong, like they legitimately are built to compete with some of these Big Ten schools that they play. But the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are different conferences. And it's like, I feel like you can build a physical team and compete with the Big Ten, but I feel like you're going to get out-athleted out by Oregon. But maybe I'm wrong. I hope not. I want Oregon to crush them. <laughs> There's... I'd be willing to bet that Trey Lance throws his first college interception in that game. Ooh. Oregon had a lot of dudes graduate this year. They're going to be starting a lot of new guys. Yep. They're going to be starting a lot of new Pac-12 guys. <laughs> but people want to go to NDSU over Oregon, Mike. That's what all the uh, NDSU fans tell me on Facebook. This is true. You know, they want to go to uh, NDSU over USC, which I can understand because 
Fargo is definitely beautiful all school year, whereas USC's not. <laughs> Three weeks in July in Fargo completely outmatch all of LA for the whole year. All of it, yeah. <laughs> and I hear the girls are prettier too. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Uh, anything else from that uh, NDSU win in 2015? Nope, but I definitely feel like you could tell our recency bias because we talked about that one a lot more. And I loved the App State playoff game. <laughs> all right, so uh, the second best uh, re receiving uh, a fifth of all the votes in our poll. Uh, we got a lot of Twitter feedback on this as well. Was the 61-48 South Dakota State win, playoff game win, first round in 2009. Big comeback win. Yeah, I mean, how can – how can that not be one of the best? It's like, I don't care about eras. Like, to be down by that much and come back and kill them. I mean, to be down by that much and come back and win by double digits? 41 to 14 in the third quarter. Grizz were down 41 to 14. And it's like, it's one of those games that goes against everything where people tell you, like, momentum isn't real and one guy can't will you to victory. But it's like, you know, I'm not an overly sappy guy, but Mark Mariani freaking made that team believe that they could do it. And he's like on the sidelines telling people not to quit. And then he runs that punt back for it for whatever kickback for a touchdown. Yeah. Mike, momentum doesn't exist. <laughs> if it existed, then Montana would have never gone back into that game. <laughs> I mean, it's, and, and it's like, we're not even talking like two minutes into the third quarter. So South Dakota State scores with five minutes and 40 seconds left. So less than 21 minutes of clock time. And at that point, it is 48-21 South Dakota State. And then the Grizz score the next one, two, three, four, five, six touchdowns to win the game. I mean – I, it's kind of funny. I think I've told this joke here. I've hugged my father-in-law three times in my whole life. Uh, <laughs> uh, once was the day I, I married his daughter. And the other two times were at this game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I hugged him when we, when we scored the go-ahead, and I hugged him at the end of the game when it was over. It, well, he initiated the hug at the end of it. So. But, I mean, football I, hugs don't count. Like, that, that's a completely different thing. I've blessed this man with three grandchildren. No hugs. No hugs. 2009, two hugs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I hug the guy I've sat next to for 20-plus years. Uh, we call him Bubba um, all the time at football games. Probably wouldn't do it in public, but football games all the time. I just, I mean, the, the most of that game until the Grizz just flipped a switch on that kick return. I mean, it was awful. Like, Cell uh, had picks and fumbles, and I mean, it was just a horribly sloppy game. I think, yeah, like I'm looking at the, I got the box score up in front of me. Like, we even took Chase Reynolds out of it so Thomas Brooks Fletcher could get a career playoff touchdown. Because, you know, God, yeah, we got to make sure this guy, like, gets a playoff touchdown. Like, everyone was just like, oh, good for him, good for him. Like, this is it. It's over. This is done. And then, yeah, Mariani takes that kickoff back and 
And then I don't think South Dakota State gets a first down after that. And it's, it's like a totally different ballgame. Incredible, incredible game. I love that. that was like in pure like incredibleness of the game and the event. Like that one, you could put that one higher. I'm not saying that we should, but I mean it just was incredible. And the most important lesson we've learned here is that it doesn't count if it's at a Grizz game. Quote Mike Nugent. <laughs> <laughs> tagline if we named episodes it would be it doesn't count if it's at a grizz game <laughs> <laughs> that's uh that's the like what happens in vegas type quote but <laughs> okay um yeah that i mean it, it's kind of funny of course and as as most would expect um one of the most incredible comebacks of all time is overshadowed by uh, the, the highest vote receiving, and I think obviously the one that absolutely deserves the most recognition is the, the greatest game ever played in Washington Grizzly Stadium. Two weeks later, a 24-17 win against Appalachian State uh, to send the Grizz back to the national title game. Um, and just one of the most incredible football games ever played. And there's so many things you can take away from this game. The amount of talent that was on the field, the, the, the coaches, the players, the individual plays, the weather, the implications, what it all meant. Um, and the Grizz got the best of that at the dynasty team at that point. And shortly thereafter, Appalachian State made the move up and never got to the FCS title game again. I think after that, and they're, they're doing better in the FBS this last year, but, uh, I mean, and well, yeah. ended their dynasty. they ended Armand Edwards' career with a loss at, at Missoula. Um, and that game, for everything it had gone, I mean, Friday night, the lights, no other football game going on. ESPN was on in, in bars and restaurants all over the country. And it was intriguing because it was snowing in the second half and it was close and it was good. And I believe up until a year or a few years ago, I think one of the NDSU championships beat it. But it was one of – it still is one of the highest-rated FCS televised games ever. Yeah, it was so cool. It looked like a snow globe in the stadium. Like the snow was like like coming down at a perfect consistency. I've checked. This game is on YouTube, and it's worth a watch. Like they have like the, the whole game up there. They have the last 10 minutes up there. It comes down to a fourth down defensive stand in our own, like our players are in our end zone. They throw a, a slant out to the left. Um, and Tremaine Johnson defends perfectly against Brian Quick, who okay. ends up on the same Rams team as Tremaine Johnson. That's right. I like to imagine the shit talk in the locker room between the two of them. <laughs> it's interesting and it's like if we have a listener who's who's educated and out there love to hear it because i would have to wager that there's more nfl talent on the field that night between those two teams than the national championship game montana and marshall that we were talking about earlier with and we talked about how dominant marshall was and stuff like that but i mean those teams were stacked 
I can't believe we didn't win a national championship. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, you, you look at, um, of course, I don't, I, you'd have to go back and look at, but like Brian Quick got to the league. Uh, Armati Edwards got there. They had a couple guys on defense. I know the Packers drafted a linebacker that they had. Um, but I mean, uh, there was like a Kimbrough and a couple other guys that wound. I mean, I think both. And then, of course, the Grizz, where you had Mariani, uh, Failer, who got a, a quick run, um, Reynolds, and then O linemen. I think what both Hillsland, Operud, and um, Horn. Horn spent a few years with the Bears. I mean, the amount of the amount of actual guys that wound up going to the NFL on both sides of the ball there. Um, for did an F- mention, yeah, did you mention Failer? Yeah, and Shan Schillinger, he went. Shan, yeah, and of course Tremaine Johnson. Um, Colt already graduated. Who's that? Had Colt already graduated at that point. Yeah, that year Colt was gone. Colt's last year was uh, 08. Okay. I mean Caleb McSurdy, Jordan Tripp was a special teams player then. Um, he was on the team. Yeah. I- Brock Coyle was a special teams player then. Brody McKnight was our kicker. He wound up, he played a few years for the Jets. Uh, you know, I mean, just a wild amount that was on the team. Now, both teams, too. And I mean, uh, the App State guys could pick up more apart, but I, I know they had, I think, at least six or seven guys that also went on to keep playing professionally, too. Oh, yeah. Yep. Craig Edwards, the quarterback. Um, yeah, they had some. They had some dudes. I mean, I think both the receivers at that point, a couple linebackers and the safety and a defensive end also went. And they had a couple of linemen that went as well too. I mean, um, yeah, that was an amazing collection of talent considering the the small school scope of the FCS, where you know it's it's equivalent of an Alabama LSU type game. You know, with the amount of talent that's on the field at that level. And it was a hell of a game. It was such a great game. It's the only game I've ever watched in the stadium where I told myself I didn't care who won because obviously I wanted the Grizz to win, but I knew if at the end of the game, if they didn't, this, I'm, I'm, I am simply watching the best football game I've ever seen like in person. And if Appalachian State beats us, it's not because like, we screwed up or the refs jobbed us or this or that or a lucky break. They were just a better team. And it was such, it was such a, an incredible game to be at and be a part of and just to see what was going on on the field. It was just this chess match between great coaches, great players, execution, the weather, and everything. It, it, was, it was the absolute perfect conditions of what makes up a game that I don't know if it could ever be replaced in terms of like greatness of, of a game in the stadium. Nope, I agree. I. What's funny is people thought it was cold, and I maybe it was just the excitement of the game. I know with the snow, I did not feel cold in that game at all. Did you guys? <laughs> no, I was actually jammed into the student section with my buddy Shane. Um, and we were just raging with the students. I was definitely intoxicated. Um, <laughs> but, and, and that is, I was too old to be in the student section at that point in time. 
I was by like a couple years, but it was like the place I wanted to be. It was so energetic down there. You could you could be the sensation now, maybe not. <laughs> I would love to. I mean, like the the professor that was like cool. You know, it's like, <laughs> dude, that guy teaches class. <laughs> Mike, are you, are you saying we should do a live Gris fan pod from a student section this year? Did you know that I have <laughs> never set foot in the student section? Um, <laughs> you're so bougie, Mike. I know. <laughs> I was, like I couldn't give up my seat. So I've never set foot in the student section. I've been there once or twice. I mean, it's you know, like... I didn't always follow the crowd, Luke. I didn't always follow the crowd. You know, when you, when you have your seats, it's hard to walk away from those. But yeah. you know, you never want to answer, like, I wonder what it's like to be among the students, my peers. You know, Dylan sat with me during college. Um, and we once in a while would bring it up, like we should probably go check it out. And he'd always be like, "No." <laughs> uh, interesting. Um, back to the game. Was that Bobby Houck's last home game? Yeah. Or, yes, it was. God. Before his yeah, before the the reboot. But yeah. the talk on this one that they did a couple weeks ago was great. And that was that was the one where they had with the the chalk talk you mean? Yeah, Mark and Shan. Um, cool. no. uh, uh, Chase Reynolds. Chase, yeah, that's right. That was Chase. And, and Those are fun to listen to. I think it's yeah. been it was interesting because Bobby is calling the players by their nicknames, and I've seen players tweet that it was really weird because they wouldn't call them by their nicknames when they were players, and so. Um, but yeah, Jabin Sambrano at that point, who I don't think was a starter with the most memorable catch of his career. He went on to have a great Grizz career, but um, that, I mean, the go-ahead drive, I, I still remember, you know, they, they got a first and 10 off a long Chase Reynolds run, and then we got a holding penalty, and it's dumping, you know, it's tie game. And they call they they take the shot, and the review took forever. And I remember texting my friends who didn't li- who were watching on ESPN. I was like, "Is it a catch? Is it a catch?" And I'm like, "We don't know. They can't tell. It looks like it. Maybe I'm not sure." And I just remember being so nervous if Jabin actually caught the ball. Obviously, he did. Um, yeah, just. The amount of the amount of memories from that game, it, it was such a great game. And just the, the all the big plays and, and just crazy events. And how it went from being cloudy but pleasant in the first half. And then, like, you go out for a beer at halftime and then it's a blizzard the rest of the game. Just insane. I think we've only had that type of weather thing one other time. And it was kind of a rather meaningless playoff blowout. Yeah, no, I, I mean, you can't say enough about it. But let's say the other, the cool thing you talked about Sobrano playing in that game is the truck pop kind of looking back and like watching the 95 game and stuff like that. It's kind of fun to look at the historical games and kind of remember the overlapping of player eras because it's like you don't really think about Jabin Sobrano and Mark Mariani as being teammates. 
but it's like, it's fun to hear Mark talk about like how he taught him things, you know, and it's like, we always worked on that in practice and you don't, you just don't think of them as even being together. Yeah. So just another push for the chalk talks, go check them out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, give credit where credit's due. I love what the Grizz have been doing with their social media lately. Yep. Yeah. They, yeah, we've been critical here and there before, and I think rightly so, but I, I really think that they have crushed it in the last two months. So, Absolutely. bravo. We've been on an upward trajectory for about two years in social media, but they're, they're doing great content right now. Yeah. I would, I would, doing it for other sports, too. Like, there was a, a Dakir one the other day. I mean, they're doing a good job. I would say, I mean, I think the thing that kind of circles back, like Javon Sombrano made a catch play or a clutch play catch at the highest point of the of the biggest game of of that we can recall. Um, and we've talked about this before, but the way Bobby Houck runs a team is that everybody is presented the same scenario in practice and in drills and in preparation time and time and time again. So is it Mark Mariani or is it Javon Sambrano or is it, you know, whoever uh, put in this time, put in this position to make this play and do this. And, and that's one thing that you can really appreciate about the way Bobby Houck runs a team. And he does it to this day. And I mean, we can see this when you go watch practice when you've got freshmen running fade routes, doing this, doing that, catching passes from Cam Humphrey or whoever, because it made sure that you drill this into every single player, whether you are a senior or you are a true freshman. And I mean, that just goes to show uh, just, just that type of preparation and that it paid off in that, that given moment and it's paid off time and time again. And, and it just, it, it just makes you hopeful for, what's ahead as well too. Yeah, definitely. I love that. It gets me excited. Do you guys think <clears throat> what do you, what are the outside odds that we're going to see this this year? <laughs> I'm optimistic. I I believe in the the expertise of the American and the international scientific research and medical community. And I feel like we are going to figure out a few different ways to treat symptoms early that prevent them from getting so bad. And the public's going to start to feel better about it. I'm looking to be optimistic here. You know, Mike, I was on a Reddit thread earlier today. And (laughs) 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 Um, You know, honestly, I mean, I don't know. There's a part of me that's very intrigued by this suggestion that maybe the football season will be played next year, starting in late January. And as a Grizz fan, a January, February, March with both presumably a very dominant men's basketball team and a presumably very good football team. And I mean, women's team. I'm here for it. Yeah. First quarter is always the slowest quarter of the year in my business. I am here for it. Like, think about a January, February, March where you've got multi, two men's games that are either on the road or at home, 
And then Saturday, you know, fuck it. Let's just watch a football game. I mean, oh, my God. And then you've got the NFL where you're going to be, uh, you know, hopefully playoffs to, to post. The, I mean, fall would be weird without football, but if it got postponed, delayed into starting into the next year, I mean, as, as a sports junkie and a Grizz fan, <laughs> that'd be fun. I, I, I prefer it happens in the fall, of course, but I mean, if that's the backup plan, that could be, that could be pretty fun. I'm on board. So do you think in a scenario like that, one of them, like college basketball plays, plays, you know, weekday games and then primarily does Sunday instead of Saturday. Like, do you think they try not to compete with each other? No. Cause I feel like TV and everything would hate that. <sighs> Could you imagine having to do like a football game and then just go back to the Adams center? Like what? an hour and a half later for a hoops game, like people would just be dead. It'd be, it would be dead. <laughs> yeah. You, as a student, you just, if you're a real diehard, you're going part-time in the spring, you know, like if you're going to catch all the sports, <laughs> you're like mom, I'm going to do 21 credits in the fall. Six credits in the spring. That's it. Good in the spring. I'll catch it three in the summer. We'll be good. Take a bunch of HHP, you know, intro to weightlifting, intro to pool. And then that ping pong, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's that? Uh, history of rock and roll. That's always a good one, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, intro to anthropology. Funny story. We've got a couple professors here who used to, uh, they were professors at App State. Oh. Yep. And... Yeah, it's kind of a small world. But you, you guys know how, like, history of rock and roll and um, Gary Kerr's Institute of Anthropology are, are huge survey classes here. They said that the biggest survey class at App State was a class called Intro to Southern Motorsports. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Just some. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think I can see how that can get some traction. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. I, um, all right. You want a history of rock and roll story real quick? Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, as it has been known, I, uh, I am an alumni of a fraternity chapter. <laughs> and, um, five of my fraternity brothers in their senior year needed three credits, amongst other things, to graduate. And so they all signed up for history rock and roll and they never went, never went because they had one test at the end of the year. So, um, unfortunately the professor, um, had like a two days for a test. And so, uh, as diligent for, uh, fraternity members, they, um, enlisted a freshman member to go take the test the first test on like, you know, whatever, Tuesday. And it was in the music building, you know, the, the concert room, whatever. So there's like the balcony and the main floor. Yeah. And so he went up to the balcony because then when he finished the test, he'd have to walk it downstairs. So one of the guys that is actually taking the class who'd never attended it 
is <laughs> parked in front of the building, backed into a parking spot with the engine running. And so the, <laughs> the freshman gets up, gives a head nod to a TA, goes to the steps to walk the test down, runs out the door, jumps in the truck, drives away. And so <laughs> the guys that had all signed up for it then basically build a cheat sheet off the test that night, come back in the next day. Um, four other guys who graduated the year before, just for the hell of it, took the test too, uh, including one named Barry McCockner. And, um, you know, all got 95% and plus and, uh, you know, passed their test. So, oh my uh, God. <laughs> I thought fraternities were all about upstanding ethical behavior. Oh, hey, you know, we, we got an average of a 3.2 GPA across 65 guys that year. So, you know, better than the Asterisk. There's, <laughs> there's, there's some a brother that they sent the freshman in there to <laughs> fall on a sword? <laughs> it was the, it was, it was, uh, it was quite the achievement. Uh, I will not name names at, at risk of that, you know, an, hour 45-ish in that, you know, the UM wants to rescind some diplomas, but uh, it was not me. I was dropped out of school at that point, but um, yeah, so history of rock and roll, great class. My wife loved it years later, but yeah. How about that? Looks like, oh my God, I gotta go back and look this up. <laughs> you were telling this to somebody who teaches courses at UM right now. <laughs> I'm gonna be wise to that trick. Yeah. yeah. Don't, uh, don't, uh, you don't, none of your classes end with just one test though, right? No, no. There you go. But I don't know, like, faced with the challenge of having to, like, spend a bunch of time to write a brand new final, like, those things take a long time to write. I just might say, screw it. Yeah, you got away with it. All right. There you go. There's my anecdote for you. I like it. Well, Brent, do we have anything else we want to hit on? I think I'm good. Yeah. Covered our games. You guys, what, so I'm curious, you guys personally outside of this top five, is there another game in the stadium that is just, that you personally hold as a game you'll never forget? Um, there are a couple. One of them is, uh, is in Sac State. Ricky Ray was their quarterback. Um, I think somebody mentioned the Egris post. He was good, and they were good, and they could never beat us. They were going to do it. And all they had to do was run the ball and run the clock out because we couldn't stop them. And for some reason, Ricky Ray was running and was going to get tackled, so he pitched the ball. And we got it back and won the game. And it all happened right in front of me. And it yeah. was one of those, like, there's no reason to do it. Like, he could have fallen down, you know. I mean, the Grizz had no timeouts. They were not going to win. Um, and that one, just for the sheer, like, unbelievableness of the finish, that one really sticks out to me. Um, that was 2000, Sac State, homecoming. Yep, yep. Luke, you got anything? I was such a huge fan of – in 2011, when we just piss pounded Northern Iowa. Oh, it always night. feels good to beat Northern Iowa. Yeah, I have an axe to grind with that stupid team. And it's really not necessarily them. It's 
all of the media hype that they get and the love. But that was so fun, you know, Flugrad. We're going deep playoffs. It was a night game. And I don't know that I have ever seen a playoff team just give up like that team. We dominated them. And uh, I think going into the game, I was a little uncertain. I was, you know, they had a, they only lost twice that year, once to North Dakota State. So they looked pretty good. Uh, I was nervous and we took care of business. That was, I'll never forget that one. Do you want to? Well, the, the, the cat game with the throwback uniforms is always going to be up there. Luke, you want a little uh, extra feel good to that 2011 game? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, kind of like peak online persona at that point for me. And um, I think the season ended, I can't remember when, but I get a friend request on Facebook from Donnie Lazowski's sister. And if you remember, Donnie was a cornerback. He wound up, he was kind of a backup for most of the season, but wound up kind of starting starting a little later because I think one of the other corners got in a little bit of trouble, um, Houston Roots maybe. And um, his sister wound up telling me a story, and that was Donnie's senior season. And um, he had an uncle who was like his biggest cheerleader and had always talked about someday Donnie will have a pick six and he's going to, he's going to score a touchdown. I just know it. He's going to pick someone off. He's going to score a touchdown. And the uncle had actually passed away like a few weeks before, but the family would always get together to watch Donnie play and in that game, at the very near the end, the QB chucks up a can of corn lame duck and Donnie picks it and takes it into the end zone. And so his sister sends me this message about the whole family's thinking about the uncle, talking about, you know, just how he supported Donnie and all the things he did to just motivate him and keep him going. And they're watching this and they're just reminiscing from his recent passing. And here's Donnie picking a pass. And scoring a touchdown, like his only career Grizz touchdown, um, and just the whole family breaks down in tears. I remember reading it, and I was just like, "Oh my god!" I started crying, and she's like, "Don't tell." Me. It's like, yeah, <laughs> at the time, I mean, we're, we're nine years removed now. I'm sure it's safe, but um, amazing, just 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 kind of that cool emotional side that just I mean that. Everyone has all their all these you know these things you can take away from life and just these great moments, but just kind of a cool part of sports sometimes and 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 like what that did for that family and how it helped them remember that and it it was it was kind of an add an extra special moment to that game, especially hearing that story that's really cool yeah, yeah. all right um I would be reminisced to forget. Uh, or whatever. I don't know. I've had enough whiskey tonight. Uh, we have some questions on egress. You guys are ready? Why not? Hey, Mike, it's uh, 1030, but you want to wake your son up for uh, to ask him what his favorite cartoon is on TV? He found a new one. I tell <laughs> you, homeschooling and quarantining has not been good for screen time. <laughs> no shit. What's his favorite cartoon right now? What's he watching? It's called like Proud House or something, like Loud House, something like that. I've never even heard of it. I have no idea. 
and then some Pixar thing, Inside Out. Those are his two right now. Oh, Inside Out's great, man. Don't hate on Inside Out. I'm not hating on it. I'm just telling you what it is. Yeah. Uh, the question also, Luke, is what is your current favorite cartoon on TV? Oh, my God. I like Big Mouth. Do you guys watch that? No. I've heard about it from a friend. He said he should watch it. He said it's great. It's a Nick Kroll. Um, yeah. Created show, and I think he's he's hilarious. Some of you guys might know Nick Kroll from The League. Um, he was a character on there, but anyway, it's it's an adult animated show. John Mulvaney plays characters. So James, what's that? James is probably not watching that. My Jordan Peele. It's really funny if you ask me. What's it called? Big Mouth. Big Mouth. All right. Well, fine. Uh, Our side note: Have you guys found anything new to stream in the, in uh, your extended homestays? Um, you know, I I got one of those awesome relationship wins recently. Uh, my girlfriend Emily, shout out to Emily. She probably doesn't listen this late. She has never seen or had never seen uh, Parks and Recreation. And so I finally talked her in to watching it. But you know, like everyone, and we're all guilty of this, you start a show, but you're half in your phone and like half in the show. Uh And I think like it's really difficult to get emotionally invested in a show if you're not really paying attention, at least from the beginning. So I called a uh, no cell phone rule. We, we both had to put our cell phones away and just sink into it for like two seasons. She got addicted. She loved it. So we, we power watched Parks and Rec. Um, best. Yeah. Great show. Great just, show. I loved watching it the second time. I cried and laughed. It was wonderful. That was that was one of our other questions about uh, Everett was wondering what shows he should binge watch right now. So Parks and Rec. Um, I started watching Barry on Amazon Prime. Recommendation from my colleague and buddy, um, and it's it's uh, got Bill Hader from Saturday Night Live, yeah. and he is a hitman who wants to find himself like meaning in his life besides being a hitman and starts taking acting classes. It's <laughs> <not> good. I <laughs> mean, I didn't know it existed and I've been entertained by it. Wow. We, uh, I don't know. I'm start watching Westworld. I'm like way late on the Westworld train. Incredible. Good. And um, my wife is uh, cue me into uh, Shit's Creek, which is very entertaining. I'm uh, a Shit's Creek fan. I need to watch the last season. Told my mom to watch it, and uh, like typical aging parents, they uh, they can never get the name right, and so she keeps calling it Shit Street, which <laughs> so it's kind of funny. She's like, "Oh, your father and I watched two episodes of Shit Street last night." And it's like, <laughs> "Okay, mom, cool." <laughs> so. Yeah, um, enjoying that too. Oh, it's good. It's got a good cast. I mean, 
Eugene Levy, Levy and his son, and Catherine O'Hara. And, I mean, that one's an underrated. It's a CBC. It's a Canadian one. Yeah. I'd like to tack on there. This is super mainstream. Um, but Ozark is... Oh, yeah. I was going to say, like, I got into Ozark a little bit, and then I think Ooh. Hannah was born, and I just, we got distracted. So it's on my list to pick back up. Oh, my God. So good. So good. Yeah. All right. Uh, Everett's other question is wondering, um, how's your alcohol consumption? It ebbs and flows. Mine is flowing right now. <laughs> um. What I've been doing lately is going through gifts I got in my liquor cabinet because I suffer from, I go to the same things over and over again, where I could have all kinds of different types of whiskey and I will do the same one, you know, because it's like, I know I'm going to like it. Yeah. And so I've got all these other things. And so I've been trying to be better about like making drinks out of what I've got, you know? <laughs> so it, it's going. Um, I'm also working my way through about a year's worth of Chris Van Pod overage beer in my garage <laughs> fridge. Um, and we're there doing should, all right there, you know. There should never be overage beer. <laughs> we have so much overage beer. We hosted a, a fundraiser for something like a year and a half ago. And they brought so much beer that we couldn't possibly keep up. <laughs> so um, if, uh, guys, if, let's say we go back to social distancing, in a few weeks. I mean, we got to do a Grisman pod lot together, right? And pound through all this beer, right? I mean, I have Clorox wipes. We'll spray you guys down with some Lysol. Um, <laughs> we can wear the giant condoms like they do in Naked Gun, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be interesting. Like, I mean, just, I don't know what to expect. Because, I mean, I definitely believe that with the number of cases we have that there's going to be like a slow path back to opening up. Like I feel like that's going to be what the governor talks about tomorrow, which is, you know, when we release this pod, but it, I just think society is going to be so interesting to watch for the next couple of months. Cause yeah. you know, we own the restaurant obviously and Stacy and her dad today took out about a third of their tables um, because they've kind of been told by the bar and restaurant association that, if restaurants open in the first phase, they're going to be required to be spaced. Um, so it's going to be interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm not exactly sure how fast I want to jump into like a movie theater. You know I, what I mean? Not anytime soon. I mean, I hate to say it, but we're going to get drive in movie theaters again. <laughs> if, if they existed right now, they'd be making bank. Uh-huh. You know, you know, probably the few in the country that exist are like, this is the best thing ever. Total side conversation, but honestly, like, like my family, we watched Trolls 2. And we paid 20, we, we, yeah, we paid. It yeah. soundtrack slaps. It's slapping, guys. <laughs> Definitely not slap. Uh, it's, it's not Frozen 2, all right? But, uh, we paid 20 bucks to rent it and you can watch it unlimited for 24 hours or something. Yeah. Um, it cost us double to go see it in the theater. Oh yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, outside of like epic type films, 
I don't know, guys. This could be the end of movie theaters. I, don't well, I think they're going to find that the, 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 the studios are going to find that if, if the title's popular enough, they can make more money doing like an immediate pay-per-view stream because they, they have less middlemen. Yeah. Because it's like, I, isn't there a James Bond that's supposed to come out in the relative future? Yeah, and another Disney movie, Artemis Fowl. And and a like people were talking about how, you know, they do a $50 pay-per-view for it. Like if you said it's opening, it's opening night like a big fight and they do a big, and it's like, I bet the studio would make great money. Like their total gross of it wouldn't match the gross of the box office, but I bet the net to the studio would. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, you're right. It's going to be interesting to see how some of those things change. Yeah. It, it, I mean, a lot of life is going to be different. I mean, indefinitely. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, normally, we don't field questions from cat fans, but Sat Cat wonders how good the Carroll Saints women's basketball team is going to be. Pretty good, right? I mean, I feel like they were okay already, and they got a girl that probably should have been a Pac-12 player to begin with. Um, and if the Schwein girls go there, I mean, they're gonna be good. They're gonna be good. <laughs> Buy your purple now. Get your purple shirts now. Well, that would be interesting. Okay. Uh, well, someone asked who the next Lady Grace coach is going to be. We know who that is now. Um, okay. CDA Grizz. I think it's going to be the woman from NAU. Just throw that out there. Ooh, all right. Or, or what's her name? Katie Baker or whatever. She's an assistant at Oregon State now, but former Lady Grizz. I think it's going to be one of those two ladies. I want Katie Baker. Yep. Okay. Um, CDA has a pick one or. Because of course uh, he does. Because of course he does, right? So pick one. Uh, option one, the Grizz lose to the Bobcats for five more years in a row and transition to a non-scholarship program. Or Grizz beat the Cats and win the national title in the next three years in a row, but you have to legally change your name to Daisy. You can't tell anyone about the deal, even your wives or your kids. CDA also asks, and Luke's dog with a question mark. Luke, do you have a dog? That's a hard no, CDA. <laughs> you do not have to tell your dog then. Uh, what about your parents? Do they have a dog? They do not have a dog. <clears throat> Listen, I am. I don't tell. I change my name tomorrow in that hypothetical. Well, <laughs> so he says uh, everything else stays the same, meaning you're not taking further steps. But if anyone asks you, say, why you changed your name, you say, I've always felt like a daisy. And uh, you're daisy forever. And so people on Egress kind of jump in. They're like, yeah, call me daisy, call me daisy. And so, um, all right, would you take this deal? (laughs) So I think, right, would any of you not change your name to daisy for that? I do tomorrow. I would do it so fast. I don't even care. Yeah, it might make me cooler if my name was Daisy. Luke is so boring. So um, so I think CDA realized it was kind of a half-assed question. So he, he revises it. Would you take this deal? You play one season for the Grizz at your current age and shape. 
You're given 50 carries in the season to try to gain 100 total yards. If you make 100 yards, you get $3 million, okay? If you don't, if you, well, basically, if you get fewer than $100, you die. Nobody knows about the deal. No special treatment from anyone. Do you do it? I, you get 50 carries? 50 carries to get 100 yards. You've got to average two yards a carry, right? I do it because they're not going to do anything with me besides run it straight up. You know, there's no sprints around the end. There's no running it from deep up the backfield. And I got to think with an O-line in front of me, if I get 50 carries, the sun's going to shine on a pig's ass every day. <laughs> Current age and shape. Honestly. Like a fullback. If I play for the Steelers, it'll work. Man, I get one helmet to my knee and I'm done. No. Um, but then you didn't get the 50 carries, so you can't die. Ooh, that's a good point. So do you have to hit 50? Okay, well then, yeah, I'm doing it. 50 carries. Man, I don't think you guys realize how hard it is. I'm averaging two yards a carry. <laughs> I here's I just guys it would take us three more steps than the worst running back the Grizz has ever that has ever played for the Grizz. It'd take us three more steps to get to the line of scrimmage than the worst running back ever. We're so slow compared to the worst Grizz running back of all time. All time. And who is that, Luke? I don't know. I'm I'm including someone from like 1918. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I feel like the first three or four carries are going to happen in the first four games, and I think you're going to get about 15 yards on those first four carries because they're never going to think that you, as the fullback, are going to get the ball. And that guy in the back. So then it becomes a you've got 45 more carries to get 35 yards. And, and there's details that CDA misses here. Like, can you pick your O-line? Like, could I just say give me the 09 or 08 O-line? Or do I have to get the 2012 O-line? Like, or do I have to get the 2015 or 16 O-line? You know, like there, there's a big – or like the current O-line, which I think is going to be fine, but I mean – listen. Uh, you guys have things that you need to live for. You have kids, you have wives. <laughs> I cannot imagine my 40-year-old ass trying to get 100 yards on 50 carries. Oh, my God. Really <laughs> fucking, like just completely fucking lit up by 20-year-olds screaming in my face. Like, <sighs> I'd pass. I'd be dead. I don't think I'd do it. I don't know if i get it. I'm I'm fascinated because I think I stay in decent shape. You know, like I, I still lift every week. I still run, but I I don't know that I could do it, man. I'm not explosive. I wasn't ex explosive enough in my peak. I'm gonna see. I was gonna say you two have things to live for. Like I don't even I don't even have a dog, right? Like. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah. 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 Maybe it's worth me rolling the die, but I still am saying probably not CDA. Hard pass. All right. Uh, Grizz Till I Die reminded me that I forgot to ask this question the last time. Uh, so he has a question. Uh, pick one. The Grizz missed the playoffs for four years straight starting this year, 2020. Or the Grizz win the national championship in one of the next three years. But for those three years, you can only eat mayonnaise. You're not allowed to put it on a sandwich or use it as some sort of condiment. You can only eat it from the jar with a spoon. For breakfast, lunch, dinner, or anytime you're hungry for the next three years, you do it. I would literally die. <laughs> I'd have a heart attack, man. I'm too old for this shit. Much less you're not getting any, any I mean, no. Like, you die quickly. It is? <laughs> All right, here's the thing. If you could take a multivitamin with this, you might not die unless the cholesterol killed you. Because it's, I just Googled it, one tablespoon of mayonnaise has 94 calories and six milligrams of cholesterol. It's 10 grams of fat. Whoa. In a spoon? In a, tab- in a tablespoon. It looks like a spoonful. Well, this, this, this answers so many questions for why I am what I am. No. Oh, I don't think I could do it, man. There's no I'd, way. I'd end up looking, I'd actually get skinnier. I'd end up looking like, <laughs> like Dallas Buyers Club, Matthew McConaughey, because it's just so gross. <laughs> Can I tell you a mayonnaise anecdote from the food zoo? Mike, you, you might remember back when floor snacks, you would go through the, um, the back of the food zoo to pick up floor snacks. Um, and, you know, like every other week or something, your freshman RA had a snack to bring the floor. And you would sign up at the beginning of the semester for your different snacks. And uh, on snack night, the RA had to go through the back, grab like the big tray of cookies or fruit or whatever, and, and bring it back to the room. And then you'd have floor snack. Well, I was back in the food zoo once, and there was this student worker with like a trolley full, like maybe like eight five-gallon buckets, like nondescript five-gallon buckets. They're pushing them through, and they bumped into like a pillar in the wall, and one of the buckets on top teetered and fell, hit the ground and splayed open and it was they were five gallon buckets of mayonnaise and i saw <laughs> what looked like the biggest zit just get popped out across the floor while i'm carrying my cookies it ruined my appetite for three days <laughs> so i i couldn't i couldn't eat that that's my story Oh Lord, that's gross. I um, not mayonnaise, but uh, I know back in the fraternity days, a handful of us, um, not myself, but uh, handled food service at the sororities, and the amount of ranch that the sorority girls ate was like 
they they go through buckets of ranch per meal. Oh, believe that. <laughs> All right, uh, that ending on sorority girls eating ranch uh, topic and mayonnaise being spilled like a zit. Um, that's all your egress questions. And I don't know if we had any on Twitter. I didn't see any. Mike, did you see I didn't see any either. Yeah. I didn't look, but I think we're good. Um, we're going to you know, continue on trying to keep, keep content. So next week we have Kyle Hansen lined up um, uh, from uh, KPAX, MTN News. Um, he's the weekend sports guy in Missoula on KPAX. He used to work for the Missoulian. And before that, he worked for the Chronicle, so it, or the Gazette, excuse me, in Bozeman, or in Billings. So um, he's kind of got an interesting kind of insight into Grizz athletics, but also uh, recently enough covered high school sports. So I think that he is kind of going to be an interesting guy to talk to. Absolutely. Um, so that'll be that'll be next week. So um, we'll see how that goes. Be thinking about questions or stuff you might want to ask him, and uh, we'll keep it going. Guys, anything else you want to add? Luke, you're going to load him up with questions about Shelby Sports? Oh, yeah. Um, if he doesn't know everything about the 1B, I'm going to be severely disappointed. Better nail his ass to the wall. Yeah. Right. Speaking of, I read this weekend that we should be disappointed the Shelby uh, girls golf team doesn't get to go out and try and win state. I mean, I, I'm glad, Mike, you of all people have been more tuned into Shelby than like anyone outside of the county. I am paying attention. Yeah, I, the one last thing I'd like to add is my thoughts and prayers go out to Shelby. They've been hit very hard. The whole county is kind of riddled with the coronavirus and uh, known a lot of good people to pass away and be infected. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a crazy time and they're on my mind. Absolutely. And I obviously, you know, we're joking about the tryouts a little bit, but there was a great article in the, in the lean newspapers about Shelby this weekend that I think. Uh, oh yeah. Kind of, I, I think it actually kind of drives home why this whole thing is a bigger deal than and I think some people realize. Cause it's like that it gets into a small town and it's a, it's a big deal. So uh, I would just echo what Luke said, you know, pray for Shelby. Thanks Mike. All right, guys, anything else? I'm good over here. Okay. Yep, I'm good. All right. Well, if we know you, we'll see you sooner, even though we're not leaving our houses. If not, <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. Go, Grizz. Bye, Dom.